and so I'm going to do exactly what I want. And so is he. You know, he's 50 years old. He's just like, listen, Queen, I've done all of it. I've listened to everybody. I've failed by listening to other people. I'm doing exactly what I want to wear. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I'm going to work with the designers that I want, whether they're famous or not. And if y'all don't like it, you can go fuck yourselves. Welcome back to all our freaky listeners. This week, Peyton has been whisked away to Los Angeles, but she will be back next week with a regular episode of drama and probably some trauma. We have a major show planned with not one, not two, but three special guests joining me to recap all the wild styles from this past weekend's Grammys. If you want to know the background story behind Billy Porter's iconic, crazy, moving hat, please listen to the very end. I'm Justin Moran, Digital Director of Paper, and this is Internetty, where each week we break down all the celebrities, stories, memes, and trends that you should give a shit about online. So Peyton and I basically crossed paths while flying earlier this week because I actually just came back from LA myself where I went to a few Grammys after parties, not the actual ceremony, just after parties really to schmooze and spy on celebrities. Um, I was there with a few people from paper, including our first guest, Taylor Roberts from the social media team. She's the voice behind your favorite posts and tweets on paper's channels. Hello Taylor, Ms. Rob, or should I say, Taylor Flav? You can call me Taylor Flav. I'm obsessed with Taylor Flav, and we'll get into why you have that nickname in just a bit. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. It's my first time on the podcast. Welcome so. on. Are you screaming? I'm screaming. I'm hoping to get canceled. Um, say some really offensive things, you know. It's crazy because we haven't been canceled yet, and I think you could be the one to I get could be canceled. the one. <laughs> um, so we just came back from L.A., where you actually went to the Grammys... And I went to all the after parties where I basically just drank all the free cocktails available to me. Um, but tell us about what it was like backstage at the Grammys. Backstage was interesting because obviously you'd see the show and people go on there perform and it's like very manicured. They have these really strict like times you can go to the bathroom because they don't want people moving around like during the ceremony. So like when it's a commercial break, everything pauses. People are running to the bathroom in like gowns and heels and have to stand there and wait if they miss their chance to come back. But I was in the media center. I had like snacks, like drinks or whatever. And sometimes after people would win, they would come into the room and like address, I guess, the press or the media, which was really funny. Like DJ Khaled came in after winning um, his Grammy. And it was really touching because of the whole like Nipsey Hussle bit. But like anytime anyone asked him a question, he would just respond with God is the answer. Oh my God. So he <laughs> would like someone would say, oh, what inspired this? Or do you think you whatever, whatever? And he goes, God did this. Was he serious? He was very, I mean, I think he's always very serious. Yeah. I think he believed, I mean, his Nipsey's entire family was there, which was sweet. Like his grandmother and like Lauren London. Didn't you also see Lizzo? Yeah. So after the ceremony, I like had to leave like everyone has to do. And I like went into the wrong room and, like, Billie Eilish was there, Billie Ray Cyrus, and Lizzo was there. And I have this clip on my phone of Lizzo walking past me. And she's like, I'm spilling champagne everywhere. And I, like, stood there for a while. I'm like, oh, I'm, like, in the room. And then it just felt really weird, especially with, like, Billie Eilish. She's, like, what, 18? And she's, like, a crowd of, like, 30 people. Yeah. Her team, fans or whatever, walking around. And I go, oh, I think I should just go. Wait, so you were just in the room with them randomly? I just, like, walked into the wrong room. It was obviously, like, a kind of a reception yeah, yeah. area. Yeah. And there was, like, no one watching the door, I guess. And I was just in there, and I'm like, cool. And then I left. 
So let's talk about some of the people we saw at the Republic Records after party. Because it was basically like a big music industry event with tons mm-hmm. of people in suits. But there were a few like cash cow pop stars there. Definitely. Um, so you got there earlier. Yeah. And we went inside after years of waiting. And Ezra Miller was fully right behind you, even like grazed your back to leave and you didn't notice. I know. I fully didn't notice. And I do think that they could be the one for me at the mm-hmm. end of the day. But well, I turned we, around and I didn't even see them still. So well, I don't they, even know if you're telling the truth. No, I, I'm fully telling the truth. They had like simply exited before you turned around. Apparently also Channing Tatum and Jesse J were there. And I, I didn't see them. I didn't see them either. But they were like the hot, like cool, famous couple romping around the party. But we couldn't find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then saw I, Alton Mason. We saw Alton Mason, who is like beyond beautiful in a way that is jaw-dropping. Yeah, I feel like maybe in this like world of Instagram models, you're used to seeing like a beautiful person here and there, but whatever. Like Alton Mason is like structurally perfect. I know. <laughs> kind of looks like a statue. I no, think literally. He was also wearing this jacket with huge shoulders, so he looked like the most important person in the entire party. Um, I also saw Tanache, who we love. She's come to the paper office before, mm-hmm. um, and she was like dancing and dancing and dancing in a cute little party dress. Mm-hmm. We saw Ricky Thompson, who was probably in like six inch heels and looked at like a skyscraper. But the craziest thing of all is Taylor's experience with Flava Flav. Because you didn't make clear to any of us that you had some sort of connection to him at all. And he was at this party and we approached him and Taylor, why don't you tell us the completely (laughs) surprising thing that happened? Well, I see him at the party and he was at the Grammys. It was like a little clip of him that went viral of him like dancing or whatever. And I mentioned to our coworker Abby, who was with us, I go, oh, Flava Flav and I, like, crazy, we're, like, from the same hometown, which is true. And she goes, like, oh, I'll make an introduction, whatever, because he was, like, in the VIP section, which was very loosely, like, marked with, like, a rope. So she, like, goes over and says, hey, my coworker, like, knows you, whatever. So I go, hi, I'm from your hometown, which is the first thing I said. I said, I'm from Freeport, Long Island, which he's from. And I said, I went to your church that he went to at the, well, I guess at separate times that he was raised in. And he, like, gets really stunned, and he, like, puts his hands on my shoulders, and he goes, who's your family? And I tell him my family's last name, and he, like, does that, like, thing where you, like, walk back a couple feet and, like, <laughs> throw your hands in the air. He's like, that's crazy. Like, who are your, like, how are your uncles? And I'm like, oh, my Uncle Greg, Uncle Mark, and I have six uncles. So I start listing them all off, and with each uncle, he, like, I didn't think he was close to tears, but he definitely seemed kind of emotional. He looked so emotional. Because I, I imagine it's, like... I mean, he hugged you maybe 15 times. He did, like, hug me like, tightly, and then he would let me go, and I'd say, like, four more words, and he would talk to me again. And it was really, I mean, it was nice, because I grew up, obviously, in the same hometown as him, but we're kind of also from, like, very close families, in a way. Like, my grandmother was very close to his mom. Um, they, like, all brought their children up together, and it's, like, this really, like, emotional tale, probably. And I guess to have that sort of brought back to the forefront of your mind at a Republic music party right. after the Grammys is interesting. He, he probably didn't expect it in a million Probably years. didn't expect it. Um, I get a picture with him, and then he hands his phone to someone else and asks for a picture of us on his phone, and he goes, oh, I'm going to send this to your Uncle Greg, and I'm like, there's no way you have my Uncle Greg's number still, but he might, honestly. It was really crazy to watch happen because he went from being like Flava Flav with the clock necklace mm-hmm. with the Gucci sunglasses to being this like sweet old man just yeah, hugging you. Yeah, this like human, du- like uncle. Yeah. I called him Rico, which is like his the nickname that I think he grew up around. I think you're the only one in that entire party that humanized Flava Flav. Your background. 
My literal no. background. <laughs> no. I'm looking at my phone background. I'm like, yeah, my phone background's me and Flavor Flav. We did get a picture. That was Which sweet. is great. Um, so the, to round out Republic, we're leaving this party. Mm-hmm. And there's Tana Manju. Mongo. Mojo. You have Mojo. to say Tana Mojo. Tana Mojo, YouTube superstar, who we also cover extensively on paper. So we're leaving, and what? what tell us about your interaction. So with again, Tana. with me being like so, social, social lube, lube, and I'm like riding the high of my like <laughs> come Flava to Flava Jesus Flava moment, moment with Flavor <laughs> Flav. So I see her, and I saw her going in, so I knew she was there, and I was like trying to find the moment. And I see her, and we're leaving, and I'm like, hey, and she. I just say hi to her, and she goes, hey, baby, have a beautiful night. Yeah. It <laughs> was like she was on autopilot. Like she said that way. She said bye to everyone that way. Yeah, like I imagine she gets like approached a lot. People are like Tana. Yeah. She was like, oh hi, like hi, have a beautiful night, go home, whatever. So I'm like, oh, I work at paper. I'm the bitch that's always tweeting at you, which is literally exactly what I said to her, and it's also true. Yeah. Because all I do is tweet at Tana Mojo, and she goes, oh my god, thank you so much. You keep she, me relevant. Yeah, she said you keep me relevant, which is a hard thing to do. <laughs> which like, is not, a hard thing. Which to is, which she isn't said what that. my that's what she said afterwards. I'm yeah. not thinking it's hard to keep her relevant. She thinks it's hard to keep her relevant. Okay, Taylor. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm gonna go back to work <laughs> tweeting about Tana. Tweet at Tana, tweet about tweet your best friend Flava Flav. He is on Twitter, that's like his most active social media, and I want to tap into that. Yeah. Thank you. Now for our second guest, the hilarious and relentless pop culture expert, Evan Ross Katz. If you haven't already read it, Evan now has an amazing weekly column on papermag.com called Wear Me Out, where he keeps everyone up to date on what your favorite celebrities have recently worn to the biggest and most inconsequential events. Evan, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I know, another another round. Yeah, round two. <laughs> um, please tell everyone where they can find you online to follow all the chaos. You can find me online at Evan Ross Katz, and beginning on February 4th, you can tune in to my new podcast, Shut Up Evan. Amazing. I love, I love a plug. <laughs> Get it right in there, you know? Yeah. Um, so we're going to dive into all the looks from this year's Grammys. We have some moments and also some non-moments, to be fair. A lot of non-moments, actually. And the title of your column this week was Here's Who Didn't Bore Us on the Red Carpet. So clearly, you felt like there were a lot of snoozy choices. There were. I kind of like more of the a, a high-risk moment at the Grammys because, you know... Movie actors get a lot of red carpet moments, but with uh, musicians, I mean, I guess there's the billboards and the AMAs, but I really view the Grammys as like, you know, the Oscars of music. And so I felt like there weren't enough, um, there there wasn't enough risks. Right. Weren't enough risks. It is an opportunity to take some risks. And speaking of risks, let's start by talking about Lana Del Rey and where yes. she decided to get her dress from. Yeah. Fuck. Uh... <laughs> Amazing, incredible. Uh, (laughs) She showed up very last minute with her cop boyfriend. I think it was their first carpet appearance together. Yeah, I was surprised that they were just publicly together like that. I was as well. And so Lana told this story uh, during one of her interviews where she said, they were like, oh, we love your dress. Where'd you get it? And she was like, we were at the mall last week looking for something for the boyfriend's suit. And she saw this dress at Dillard's. Right. And $500. And she had to have it, um, which is like the most 
Lana Del Rey thing you could ever imagine. It's so on brand. Yeah. And I think she said that she only got it tailored in at the sides. Yeah. Just like yeah. here and here or whatever yeah. she said. It was so amazing because the reporter that was interviewing her at the time, uh, Nichelle Turner, <laughs> said to her... Uh, she basically said, you bought that off the rack and it fit like that. It makes me want to hurl, <laughs> which was just such a, a wonderful moment. I mean, but also she just is so beautiful yeah. and so ethereal that it worked. I know. It's like, if we didn't have that story, I would love the dress much less. But yeah. because it's from the mall and it's on Lana Del Rey's body, I'm completely obsessed. Yes. Moving on, you also talk about in your column how there were some people who may have looked amazing, but it wasn't a big surprise. One of those people was Cardi B wearing Mugler. Yeah, I, I we've seen Cardi and Mugler um, before, and I just didn't think that it was doing anything to flatter her in any way. Do you think it was because this isn't really like her year and maybe next year she's going to have another big moment? Because we're Perhaps. kind of in like Cardi B, not that she's going anywhere, but it's like she didn't really need to make a loud statement. There were other people to kind yeah. of focus on. Counterpoint would be like, I feel like those years are the best year to make a statement. Because it's kind of like, I don't have any like music that <laughs> right. I'm promoting, but I'm here promoting, promoting me. Promoting me. Um, so yes, but like I still could have used a showstopper. Okay. Um, okay, so Gwen Stefani, who... We love, however, she wore two Dolce & Gabbana looks to the Grammys, one on the red carpet and one for her performance with her man. Yeah, she um, sure did. And I know that you have lots of thoughts on this, this topic. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to reference a quote from Alyssa Vingen Klein over at Nylon, who tweeted, if you're showing up to a red carpet event in 2020 wearing DNG, you're outing yourself as a very ignorant person, um, which is a very good tweet. We're seeing DNG everywhere. We saw Blake Lively in DNG at her premiere. We saw Kate Middleton out in DNG. Um, we saw Common at the Grammys in DNG. What these two outfits from Gwen. So obviously, there is some sort of... Um, energy that's put, being put forth at the moment to bring DNG back to the carpets. I wrote a story last year, I think it was like, I think it was the Oscars last year, where no one wore Dolce & Gabbana on mm -hmm. the carpet. You know, we really did see like this absence of the brand, and this was in the aftermath from November 2018, when their uh, China show was canceled, after there were accusations of a racist ad that the brand had put up. Um, they apologized at the time, but I mean, the history of DNG is long. If you don't know about it, I implore you to Google it. Uh, Luke Meager, Hotlamo, did a great um, sort of like uh, video back in 2018, sort of breaking down like why is DNG bad. But I guess it's just kind of like at this point, it's disappointing. Oh, and also Little Big Town. Yeah, everyone, they confidently told that reporter we're all dressed in Dolce yeah, tonight as if it was like a point of pride. I was you like, calling oh, Dolce, uh, um, You calling Juliana Rancic that reporter? <laughs> Wait, I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> no, I mean, she is that <laughs> yeah. reporter. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's disappointing, but like, let's be honest here in terms of like red carpet moments, like, um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see what the Oscars will bring in terms of DNG. And I think it's interesting this moment because um, just, I do briefly want to say Carla Welch, the stylist who outfitted Little Big Town, um, she was on record in 2018 during a chat at a Business of Fashion Week summit expressing the fact that she had pulled DNG from her rack 
her, her rack being her rack of clothes that she offers to potential clients. And then she also ended the conversation by saying, you are your brand, um, which was to insinuate this idea that like the ethics of that brand, uh, you take those ethics on when you sort of utilize uh, their creative talents. So why we're two years later or less than two years later having this sudden about face, it's, it's very curious. And I have a feeling um, we'll get to the bottom of it sooner than later. Totally. And I, there's also just so many designers out there that it's like, can we yeah. just, it's so easy to not pull from this one. It is. So that's why we know that there's some sort of calculated effort that seems to be happening yeah. to put DNG back into the public space. Yeah. Um, okay, Ariana Grande, who showed up looking like Ariana Grande. So she showed up wearing Jean-Baptiste Valli, which was basically like a giant poofy princess dress. It was a really pretty gray color. It was a beautiful gray. Like she gray. looked beautiful. Yeah. And she never looks bad. Yeah. But I guess maybe it's we're at the point where we don't expect Ariana to take fashion risks. I think it's um it's nice to see this uh evolution for her. I think um I am excited to see what she does next. Right. Um, but Lizzo, totally different, had a huge <laughs> night. You couldn't ignore Lizzo in the way that some of us could ignore yeah. Ariana. Um, her look, custom Versace, yes. styled by Marco Monroe. Yes. And I want to pay attention um, to the inserts on the paneling. They start at the princess line and they trickle down the hip. And I really think that that detail takes this dress from like good to next level great. Yeah. And I love the color. I love the old Hollywood glamour. I think she looked elegant. I think she looked like it was such a great Grammys moment, especially because we had the that big ball mall moment, I believe, at the AMAs or the billboards or something, which, or no, sorry, we had the ball mall moment from the VMAs, which was like bright and, and, and ostentatious and wild and perfect. This felt she wasn't sacrificing her Lizzo-ness, but giving us a super glamorous moment totally. that felt like her. And I just, I loved it. I think it was also remarkable because there's been so much conversation around people, definitely not Lizzo's stylist Marco, but maybe like magazines not knowing how to dress her, not knowing what to put on her body. And this was kind of like a form-fitting, like really sleek yes. example of how she can look amazing in something that's not an oversized, yeah. like... And it's just so great. It's like we had the Valentino moment, we had the Marc Jacobs moment, we have the Versace moment. And it's like, it's so wonderful to see these houses, some of whom are not known for outfitting plus-size bodies, be able to prove to us that it's certainly possible. Totally. And so I feel like Lizzo opens the door for this, uh, just so many of these houses who perhaps to their fault, have not been dressing bodies like Lizzo's um, and bigger bodies than Lizzo's because, let's be honest, their Lizzo's body is not even that big. Um, it's nice to see that the possibility of how beautiful a body of a bigger size can look in a beautiful gown. In a beautiful gown. Um, the only other person who may have garnered more attention on the red carpet, and they seem to do this with every red carpet, is... Billy Porter. Yeah. Um, who was wearing Baja East and a hat made in collaboration with Sarah Sokol. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone saw this this look, but basically it was a shimmery blue suit with this hat that would open and close yeah. when the stylist would hit this like remote. Seventy thousand hand placed crystals on that look. Seventy thousand. As one does. That's crazy for Baja East, I feel. Yeah, very crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I actually saw, I was walking back to my hotel and I saw Billy getting in the car before like he was going to the Grammys and Sam Rattel, his stylist, was holding the hat and it looked so heavy. It looked like a heavy object yeah. to carry. Yeah. And I'm I sure mean, it was. It had the motors. Yeah. And then and there were multiple motors in it on both sides because it had to pull from both sides. And then you have the batteries and then, you know, you have the, the fringe. And so, yeah, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be a pretty heavy garment. How do you feel about this outfit in comparison to other Billy outfits? Because Billy has the challenge of constantly one-upping himself. And I feel like there's been some conversation online about like Billy exhaustion, whether or not I agree with it. I'm curious what you think. I think he set the bar so high with his Oscars, Christian Siriano tuxedo gown moment that I think it was difficult to maintain that momentum because the expectation from people is that like, not only is Billy Porter going to look good, but he's going to in some way wow. And just so like the effort always becomes, it's like, how does one wow on the regular? I mean, I think what's always fun about Billy Porter on the red carpet is you know that there's going to be some sort of viral response to whatever he does. And there are so few people on the red carpet that create those moments. I totally agree. And for that, I'm like super thankful because most of the time there's not much to talk about because we're kind of out of the like Lady Gaga era of meat dressing. And Billy is kind of a glimpse of how red carpet can be entertainment at the same time. Yeah. I also think that it would be amazing to see more queer people on the red carpet giving looks so that Billy isn't the only one that everyone focuses on as being like the looks queen and the representative of the LGBTQ community. Enter stage left, Lil Nas X, who I think uh, had shows signs of sort of being that Billy yeah. Porter type. So the last time we saw him, we had this Christopher John Rogers silk wool suit over that zebra print top. And there were those opera gloves. And I remember thinking, okay, bitch, like I'm buckling my seatbelt. I can feel my wig shifting. Um, <laughs> so then we had this moment um, from the Grammy. So we had this custom bubblegum pink Atelier Versace, which included a cropped studded jacket over a mesh shirt, and then there's like the double collared harness, which I love. And then he had these handkerchief bracelets. It's a really fun garment because you can look at it for a long time and keep discovering new details about it, which is like my favorite kind of look. Totally. Um, I think just in particular, like, I love the bondage of it all. I love the bubblegum pink, that color stays with you. And I just think that I always try and think like when we look back on Lil Nas X's career and who's to say where it will go, but I just, I know we'll always be talking about this Versace moment. I thought it was like fucking wow. And I kept thinking if you're someone that knows nothing about this person, because you have to remember the Grammys are on CBS, you know, it's like (laughs) the demo screws skews older. If that was the first time you ever saw him, my immediate reaction was, would be like, I want to know more. Right. Who is that? And it was like kind of the cap on a year of Yeehaw, which was something that Lil Nas X was a huge part of making really popular. And I think we reached a point of Yeehaw exhaustion maybe a long time ago, but this felt like something that didn't bore me. And I think it's because of the color. I think it's because Versace did a great job of elevating it into something that was not a costume. And it's funny because there was so much criticism around men wearing harnesses on every red carpet for maybe that like two month period yeah, a while yeah. ago. And this one's amazing. Yeah. It just needed it in pink. Needed it in pink. Yeah. 
Um, okay, Evan, quick, tell me your best dressed man and your best dressed woman. Oh, okay. Um, well, my best dressed man, certainly, John Legend in this tailored to perfection, half kilted look from Sarah Burton's uh, tw- Spring 2020 collection for Alexander McQueen. It was just so beautiful. It's just tailored beautifully. It felt like the right amount of risk because I'm not needing a huge risk from John Legend. It felt thoughtful. It felt cared about. It made me immediately go back and look at that entire collection. But I just particularly loved the fit. I loved the fit. And your best dressed woman? Would have to be Lizzo. And I think uh, she looked incredible. I think the bar was pretty low in terms of that there weren't, there wasn't a stiff competition in the same way that there was for the men. But I just thought it was such a great moment for Lizzo. And I, it made me so excited to see not only where she's come in her carpet journey, but I'm so excited to see what's next. I gotta know, who was your best dressed man? Okay, I agree with you that John Legend was the best dressed. And for me, it was between Lil Nas X and John Legend, but I think it's so easy to do a boring suit, and we see it every single red carpet for every award show. And the subtle detailing of the the long pleat on John was, like, so smart, so sexy, and I was obsessed. And for women, okay, I am going to go with Dua Lipa. Oh, okay. And I like kind of have been critical of Dua Lipa in the past, but I feel like whoever is overseeing kind of the art direction and the fashion direction of this new album rollout is doing an incredible job because she looks for a younger audience. She looks so aspirational. She looks so cool. And she was wearing this sort of separate like top and long bottom, which I think it looked dressy enough, but on the Grammys red carpet, it's like that's where we want to see a more casual, like fun outfit. And I'm also obsessed with her hair. She's been doing this like Cruella Deville sort of thing. Gorgeous. Um, yeah. So I stand Dua Lipa yeah. in 2020. And shout out to whoever steamed that dress. Right. Um, not a wrinkle in not sight. Not a wrinkle in sight. And she wore it to a strip club after. Thank God. From the red carpet to a ceremony to the strip club. And I believe, weren't Lizzo and Rosalia? Uh, Everyone was yeah. there. Lil Nas X was there. Oh, wow. I would have died. Yeah, that to sounds be like there. that was the after party, my goodness. All right, Evan, thank you again for your obsessive, completely vital coverage of the most important red carpet looks, as always. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me, and I am excited to do it all again for the Oscars. And for everyone out there, be sure to check out Evan's column on papermag.com. Wear me out every Monday. Okay, listeners, we have one more special guest who I'm so thrilled to be speaking to, and that is Sam Rattel, the fashion stylist and genius behind all of the viral Billy Porter looks that you've been talking about this past year. I have so many questions for Sam, and I am so excited to hear the process behind creating all these moments. Okay, hi, Sam. Hey there. How is it going? It's going. You know, it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. Are you still in L.A.? Or are you back in New York? Um, I just got back from L.A. this morning and rushed straight to a Sesame Street taping. So I actually haven't slept. Oh, my God. Um, well, congratulations on the Grammys. Billy looked fucking incredible as always. Thank you. 
And I, I told you this, but I was on my way back to my hotel at the Standard, and I saw you and Billy waiting <laughs> for your car, and I was like, oh, a little preview of Billy's red carpet look, and you were holding the hat, which looked like it was really heavy. It was very heavy. It weighed about 25 pounds, which doesn't sound like a dot, lot, but, you know, that's, that's kind of like a dumbbell, and where you, when you're holding that for a while, it, it gets a little, a little bit intense. And Billy had to wear that on his head, which is even crazier. Yeah. So, for the people who don't know listening to this podcast, let's start by talking about how you and Billy started working together. Because I feel like since you have started building this relationship, a lot of amazing fashion moments have happened. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it just happened so organically. I think, you know, the, the universe was definitely in our corner and putting us together. Um, my uh, husband and business partner at Triple R Creative, has worked with Billy for a long time and know him for a while. I would say probably maybe 15 years. Uh, we all foundationally come from theater. Uh, my husband is a veteran Broadway publicist, so he is in publicity for shows, you know, like Gypsy with Patti LuPone and Arthur Lawrence. Uh, he did Spider-Man uh, on Broadway, which was a shit show, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he became pretty much, you know, the Andrew Lloyd Webber guy and did publicity for his shows, such as Santa Boulevard, School of Rock, Cats, and then his personal publicity. And now we ventured into pretty much running our two agencies and producing Broadway-bound uh, musicals and productions that are adjacent to theater. And so, um, you know, as my husband was leaving his old firm, who represented Kinky Boots, he, which is how they met, um, uh, well, they'd met before that, but how they really started working together. Um, he did Billy's PR through that, you know, when he won his Tony, et cetera. And so when he came back to the show to close out the show, which ended up not closing out because it was a massive success, uh, when they came back, uh, he said, hey, listen, I'm about to do a new show, um, and I, I, I think we have to work again. I'd love to do some more PR for you, uh, with you, and, and I, I need a stylist. You know, I'm going to Hollywood, you know, it seems like this time, and I really want to make sure that I look great and that my stuff is branded properly. And he said, well, how funny, we just jump-started a digital agency uh, in a branding firm that solely focuses on these things and specifically in positioning for celebrities in the Hollywood space but also my husband happens to be a fashion stylist. And so we, we met, and that was that. We fell in love immediately. I think we have a lot of similar synergies, and our backgrounds are kind of adjacent in a way, in parallel, even though he's, you know, 50, I'm 31. Uh, and so, you know, that, that was kind of that, and it just became an organic process of us just sitting together in a room and t having thoughts and ideas and making art. Amazing. I mean, the theater background really makes sense because I feel like you and Billy are one of the few teams that have turned the red carpet into a space for performance. Is, has that always been a conscious effort on your end? Uh, I think it is. I think foundationally, for me, I, it's all directorial work, and it's, it's, it's all theater for me. Uh, I see the red carpet as a stage and a performance space and a space where, whether you like it or not, you're saying something, and you might as well be strategic about what you're saying. And so we, you know, I think for him, you know, even speaking about him, he he acts through clothing, and that's something that I haven't really experienced with a lot of the talent that I work with. He, you know, he went to Carnegie Mellon. He always speaks about his, 
you know, deep-rooted theater background and how he's a prolific theater actor and, and how much he loves the, the craft. And, you know, he really studied um, garments and, and how they're used and, and, how, and what they mean when you wear them how to, and how to act through them, how to stand with them, how they, how they change your body, how they change how you walk. And so to have somebody who's so masterful and has all of those, you know, tools and their body for somebody like me to work with someone like that, it's just the biggest gift because you, you kind of get to, you get to play and you get to direct someone who has, you know, an infinite uh, toolbox. And, and that to me is just invaluable. So for the Grammys specifically, you worked with designers Baja East to make Billy's suit. What was it like working with those designers it was awesome. It, you know, and I, it's so funny, you know, the internet is a, it's a fascinating place, especially now. You know, I, I am flabbergasted all the time by the, the, the people that I meet who I normally would have never met, you know, if it wasn't because of the internet. And so I've been following Scott for a while, and I love, you know, of course, I, I've seen their Amazon show, uh, the CFDA uh, show back in, back in the day, and so I, I kind of, you know, got a glimpse of him from that. And so I always felt like I kind of, would probably understand him and he would understand me based on our cultural references and, you know, the things that he posts on Instagram. And we, we met previously, of course, uh, you know, we met in Paris and we've been kind of chatting for a while, you know, about doing something together just because I knew that he would really, really understand us and what we were trying to do and, and, and vice versa. And so, you know, as soon as that happened, we kind of began chatting about manifesting this moment, and it really just came together super quick. And so we knew it would be the Grammys, and then uh, we, we've we been so busy traveling, Billy and I, that we haven't really had time to sit and do anything. So we finally just sat about two weeks ago and came up with this whole thing. And, and it was just, you know, it felt like... You know, like when musicians work in their garage and they're making a record, and like it doesn't really matter if it's a hit or not. You're just excited to be making art with your friends. But that's what it felt like. And the the hat, I feel like, is what everyone was really talking about. How did you go about developing that technology so that it would open and close? And I know that you had like a remote that you were holding on to. Yeah. Um, and what was the signal for you to to press the button and open the the <laughs> curtain of crystals? Well, you know, uh, we weren't sure what to expect at the Grammys. I don't think any, it, it just happened so fast. You know, sometimes I have a lot of these crazy ideas and, you know, Billy will be like, all right, Queen, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know, somehow it always ends up happening. But, you know, it, it happened literally about two weeks ago. Scott has, you know, these French hats that he's designed, a lot of bucket hats with fringe, and they're so dramatic. And, and I thought, you know, I really want Billy to wear one of these, but I know that Queen's not going to cover his face because, you know, it's stunning, and he's worked 30 years to get here. He's not going to be covering that up. <laughs> and so, you know, I decided that it would be amazing if we would just have a massive reveal because I live for a reveal. And, you know, as soon as, you know, we, we jump-started with that. I called my girl, Sarah Sokol, who's an incredible milliner. You might you might know her work from uh, Janelle Monet's amazing uh, millinery uh, look at the Met Gala with all of the hats. And then, I don't know if you remember the blinking eye. 
uh, on the Christian Suriana design garment. That was also the same people, so we work with Smooth Technology, and so they kind of made it happen together, and it, it took a process. It was kind of, for me, it was just science and me being a geek. I love all of that stuff, and I love playing with tech, and so I literally had to go see Smooth in Brooklyn. We had to test several things out. We had to really think about physics, and, you know, I had to really go back into my high school years and remember, you know, a lot of these facets to figure out how this would work. And, you know, uh, initially the challenge was, you know, this remote, uh, how, how do we get him to press it on the carpet? Because the original idea was that he would have it in his pocket, just like Janelle did uh, at the Met Gala. But the, the pants were so tight <laughs> that there was no way I, I could let him go out there and, and have him deal with that and then hold a, a custom clutch at the same time. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to carry this and we're going to figure out. You know, just like we would do in theater, what's the signal and when, and what do I need to know so that I can open it when I when when you feel like it? And so we came up with a signal, and that was uh, every time he put both hands on the clutch, I would hit the button. Wow, a subtle little hint. Yeah. Okay, so obviously everyone was posting about this hat, and there were tons of memes. What do you think is the trick to getting people to pay attention to a look and making an outfit go viral? Because that's what you and Billy do so well. <sighs> I think, you know, a lot of it really starts with confidence. You know, I think we have a vessel, which is Billy Porter, who, who sells the garment ultimately. You know, it has to be very, very well made. You know, it, it takes a village to come up with a lot of this. You know, it's, it's a lot of work sometimes, a lot of hours, sleepless, sleepless nights. And, you know, as soon as you kind of figure that out, you just have to go in there. And, and for us, what we figured out is that I don't really know if it's going to be a meme or not the next day. All I can do is be authentic to the intent of what it is that we're doing. And if it's that event, let's say something like the Met Gala, we just execute that as much as possible, just like if it would be any other performance let's say, on Broadway. Uh, and I think people are receiving that, you know. It's really about just hard work and going out there and kind of, you know, not necessarily like living in a competitive world, but, you know, I grew up, you know, I was a drum major. I was in theater a lot. I, I did a lot of competitions in school for UIL. So I, I kind of see that there's this aspect of showing up to the carpet that I think a lot of people do see as competition. For me, it's just kind of just representing who we are and doing that to the best level possible. And I think that that's all we can do. And I think if people receive it and they make that into the meme, then great. Amazing. And I think it, the, what everyone wants to know is how you keep topping yourself each time, because obviously the, the expectations for Billy are really high now. Do you ever think that there will be a point where you completely flip things and go for more subdued looks? Yeah, I think eventually. But I think foundationally, we're going to do whatever we want. <laughs> and that we love. Nobody pays my bills. I wake <laughs> up every day, I bust my ass, and so I'm going to do exactly what I want. And so is he. You know, he's 50 years old. He's just like, listen, Queen, I've done all of it. I've listened to everybody. I've failed by listening to other people. I'm doing exactly what I want to wear. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I'm going to work with the designers that I want, whether they're famous or not. And if y'all don't like it, you can go fuck yourselves. So good. And I, I mean, I am so thankful to have someone like Billy on the red carpet. And I think moving forward, you know, it'll be amazing to see the kind of doors that Billy has opened for other people to do exactly this on the red carpet. Yeah. And, and that's what it's about. It's not about topping, you know, you know, each thing. There's so much pressure that comes with that. You know, it's really about 
being connected to the event, what is it that we're doing, and trying to do the best that we can. All I can do is my best, and all he can do is his best, and just showing up. By showing up, I think we've done half of the job. You know, the rest of it is just actually trying and giving a shit. And I think if we can do that, I'll be happy. And if people receive it, great. If they don't, great. At least I know that I tried and he tried and we did the best that we could. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job and I can't wait to see what you guys have next. <laughs> um, well, thank we you have a lot of things cooking. so I can only know. imagine. Um, thanks so much for calling in today. It's a, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. No, I'm so, so excited. I'm such a fan of you guys, and, and I, I love podcasts, especially now that I've been driving a lot more. So I'm really <laughs> happy to see you guys in this medium. All right. Well, we missed you, Peyton. However, I think I did a pretty fucking good job by myself, but I love you so much. Thank you to all of our guests today. Thank you to the music artists who walked the red carpet and the mall that provided Lana Del Rey's gorgeous gown. Thank you to Flava Flav. And as always, a very special thanks to you listeners for tuning in yet again. We will be back with a new episode next week, so keep listening out for us every Friday. And if you love internet or even slightly enjoy it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Until next week. 